Come on, at home, say it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And Father, as I declare over your people, showers of blessings are coming. I thank you that it just won't be a prophetic word. It will be a word in manifestation in our lives. As I minister your word today, I thank you for the mothers that are in the house and those who are streaming through the lens and even mothers uh, in our nation and across the world. And I pray that, Father, this message will encourage them, it will strengthen them, and it will help them to continue to be the great mothers that they are. And so I thank you for the Spirit of God breathing on the word and breathing on your people in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So today, of course, we're celebrating mothers and who they are and what they do. Can we give a hand clap to the mothers again? Can we do that? Come on, give yourself a hand clap. You know, and I believe the message today will encourage the mothers here at Water Tooth Family Church and the mothers there who are watching through the lens. And I believe the message will also encourage mothers who will watch in the future. But don't let the message being centered on Mother's Day keep you from receiving because the principles that I'm going to be giving you and giving the mothers today also apply to everyone else. So it's going to be a principle-based message, which is what I'm, I do for the most part. So if you're taking notes, our message title this morning is Characteristics of a Godly Mother. Characteristics of a Godly Mother. Because there should be a difference between a spiritual mother and a carnal mother. Say amen to that. We live in a world that needs spiritual moms. We live in a world right now that uh, mothers, they are viewed more so for being a mom as far as them birthing children, but they are also mothers that help stabilize our world. Do you know that Adam and Eve did not have a mother. Y'all think about that? They only had God. So even if you are a mother and you don't have your mother, don't worry about it because God can be your mother and your daddy. Amen. But think about this. Eve was the first woman to experience a sibling, uh, uh, one of her kids passing away. And what's bad about it is that her son killed her first son. So I believe with God's word, it'll reach everybody with where they are and it will encourage us. Amen. So I'm just going to give you five characteristics today that I believe 
that should exist inside of a godly mother. So here's uh, characteristic number one if you're taking notes. Godly mothers live by faith and transfer down faith. Godly mothers live by faith. Everybody say live by faith. You have to live by faith as a believer because the scripture says for without faith it is impossible to please God. So you and I, God wants us to live by faith. And a godly mother lives by faith, but then watch what else she does. She transfers down faith. Let's read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promises of life which are in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my, de- my dearly beloved son. He says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he says in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Verse 4, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I might be filled with joy. Watch this now. He says, when I call into remembrance the unfeigned faith, watch this, that is in you, Timothy, which which first came in your grandmother, Lois, and this same faith existed in your mother named Eunice. And then he says, and I'm persuaded that is also in you. Now, I'm going to read this out of the message translation uh, in verses uh, 3 through 6. He says, every time I say your name in prayer, Timothy, which is practically all the time, I thank God for you, the God I worship with my whole life in the tradition of my ancestors. Watch verse 4. He says, I miss you a lot, especially when I remember the last tearful goodbye, and I look forward to a joy-packed reunion. Verse 5, which is our focus verse, says... That precious memory triggers another, your honest faith, and what a rich faith it is. Listen, what's the next two words? Hand it down. Everybody say hand it down. This rich faith was handed down, watch this church, from your grandmother, Lois, to your mother, Eunice, and now to you. What a powerful transfer. I mean, if there's anything you want to transfer down to your kids, you want to transfer your faith into their lives. You know, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they get old, they won't depart. So I believe a mother has the power to transfer faith into her children. And Timothy's grandmother, listen, passed her faith down to Timothy's mother. And then Timothy's mother passed her faith down to Timothy. And as a mother, you never know how your faith transfer is going to impact your children. I don't think my mom ever knew, even though she gave me a story not too long ago. I don't know if she knew I was going to be a pastor, but I believe she told me that her grandma, uh, her mother or her, her dad, one of them told her that one of her kids would be a preacher. But I guess I'd be the one. I mean, listen, we try to pass down everything that's valuable, but very seldom do we see our faith as something valuable. You know, the scripture says that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Your faith, my faith has the ability to overcome things in life. And a lot of times, you know, we're pushing our kids, we're pushing Johnny to go to college. You know, we start with them when they're small. You're going to college, you're going to college, you're going to college, you're going to college. And so we transfer now our belief and expectation into our kids that you're going to college. But let me tell you something. Johnny, 
when he gets to college. He's going to need Jesus when he gets there. Because Jesus ain't there no more. So Johnny needs Jesus. Everybody say Johnny needs Jesus. And this characteristic of a mother passing down her faith is very important because sometimes, listen now church, the father is either not around or not involved spiritually to make that impact in the children. Now, let's look at something here. The Living Bible of Acts chapter 15, I'm going to read it because here's why I'm reading it. It's now a reference of Timothy that we read. So Acts 15 verse 40 says this in the Living Bible. While Paul chose Silas with the blessings of the believers, he left the Syria and Sicilia to encourage the churches there. Verse 16, Paul and Silas went first to Derbe and then on to Lystra, where they met Timothy. Who did they meet? They met Timothy. He was, watch this now, a believer whose mother was a Christian Jewess, but his father was a Greek. You know what that's saying? His mother is saved, his daddy wasn't saved. And that happens sometimes in a family as well. The dad might be around, but dad is not saved. So look at the, look at the scenario that Timothy was raised in. But even though his dad may not have made a spiritual impact in his life, his mother's faith was strong enough to transfer it down to him. And see, that's what you want to do with your kids. And listen, this doesn't change regardless of their age. They can be 40 because, by the way, mothers always see 40-year-olds as 5-year-olds. Did y'all know that? I don't know where it changes. Or really, it doesn't change. You are always mama's baby. Mama, I'm not in diapers. Mama, I got five kids. I don't care, baby. How many know what I'm talking about there? Uh -huh, uh. It wasn't Timothy's dad that got his faith, that he got his faith from. It was from his mom, his mom. And when you pass down faith to your children, listen, sometimes it's their voice that God hears to rescue you. Oh, I'm going to say that again. See, when you raise your kids right, when you put them in an environment of faith, it causes them to trust God. I remember years ago when heaven, I don't know, heaven was about 10 maybe, and heaven wanted a puppy. She wanted a dog. We're not getting dogs. We don't do dogs. Especially inside dogs. When I was growing up, the dog belonged on the outside with a chain around his neck. Even though you had a fence. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, you're not coming in the house? What? That's blasphemy. Buying dog food? That is blasphemy. You eat what we ate. Scrape, scrape, scrape. Right? They got all this science diet dog food. They got pure brand, nature's quality. What? So heaven wanted this dog. I didn't want a dog. And she kept asking. And I kept saying no. No, 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 no. So finally one day she was like, she got smart. She said, so dad, if I believe God for a dog, 
that somebody will give me one? Will you be okay with that? I just knew she couldn't believe for that. I was like, go for it, sister. Well, I be doggone somebody gave heaven a dog that was almost a thousand dollars. I think that dog was. We had a dog. You know why? Because we imparted some faith into heaven to make her believe that heaven, you're not bound by what you experience here on the earth. You have a connection with the Holy Father who can help you believe for what you want. So when you pass down your faith to your children, sometimes it's their voice that God hears that might rescue you. Genesis chapter 21, verse 14, this is what happened in this person's life. Now, let me give you, an, uh, uh, give, let me give you context. Abraham, you know, he, uh, he had a baby by his servant lady, and then he had a baby by his wife, and the wife didn't get along with the servant lady, so the wife was like, hey, you need to put her out. And so, you know, Abraham didn't like that, but God told him, he said, listen to your wife. So he had to put this lady out. Now, Abraham was rich. So there's certain parts about what Abraham did I didn't understand, but let's read verse 14. It says, and Abraham rose up in the morning. He took some bread and a bottle of water, and he gave it to Hagar and told her to leave with the child. What? Abraham, just some water and some bread? Brother, come on now. The state requires more of that. He better be glad that, you know, the child support system wasn't around by, by then because he, he gave more than just bread and some water. She put it on her shoulder and the child. He sent her away and she departed and went into the wilderness. Verse 15. The water was spent in the bottle and so she cast the child under some shrubs. Now I want you to notice that this wasn't a baby. It was a child. Now it wasn't a teenager. It wasn't a baby. So it was somebody in the middle, right? They were a child. So she put the child under the shrubs because it was hot and she went, verse 16, and she sat down over against him in a way as if it was a bow shot. And she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and she lifted up her voice. And what did she do? She cried. Watch verse 17. And God heard the voice of the lad. She's crying, but whose voice did God hear? He heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What is troubling you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard who, church? The voice of who? The voice of the lad. And because of that, if you keep continuing to read, God opened her eyes. She, she saw a well of water. She went, filled both of the bottles with water, gave the lad some drink, and God was with the lad God was with the lad, God is with the lad, and he grew and he lived in the wilderness and he became an archer. If you continue to read, he became a very, very powerful young man. That happened without his dad. Now, I know as the single mothers, I know you feel like, man, I'm doing it by myself. But see, that's the wrong mentality. You're not doing it by yourself. You have a father who's helping you. And I would rather have God support than child support. Oh, y'all didn't hear that, did you? You didn't hear that, did you? Oh, they didn't hear that. I'd rather have God support. Now, I don't mind child support. But I'd rather have God support. Say amen to that. 
Characteristic number two, if you're taking notes, godly mothers prioritize, listen church, their spiritual lives. Godly mothers prioritize their spiritual lives. In other words, godly mothers put their spiritual lives, listen, before anything and anybody. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, I'm going to read it. It says, and now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, Jesus did, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Well, it's your house. It was Martha's house. She trying to tell Jesus what to do. See, you, you in the flesh when you trying to tell Jesus what to do. Don't you care, Jesus? So Jesus said in verse 41, he answered her and said, Martha, Martha, don't tell me what to do. No, that's not what he said. Martha, be careful. You are careful and troubled about many things. But one thing, say one thing. One thing, because my point is godly mothers prioritize their spiritual lives above anything or anyone. He says in verse 42, but one thing that is needful and Mary has chosen that good part because the only way you're going to have a prioritized spiritual life is that you have to choose that good part. And notice it says it will not be taken away from her. So your spiritual life, your relationship with God as a mother is the foundation by which you manage everything else. When your word level is high, it will help you manage your frustration levels. Because, see, when your word level is high, even though frustrations may be there, you know deep on the inside that God's going to work this thing together for my good anyway. Amen. When your word level is low, you become like Martha. When your word level is low, your discernment... Because every mother has discernment. But then when you become a Christian mother, you move from just regular discernment to spiritual discernment. But see, when your word level is low, your discernment turns into nosiness. Okay, I'm going to just keep going. Your concern for your children when your word level is low turns into worry and anxiety. And in order to maximize your motherhood, you must make God's word a priority in your life. It must be first. Everybody say, it must be first. Amen. Why? Because the word should be the source of life. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The message translation says, Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. Listen, it's good. I know you know how to cook. Girl, I can burn. I hear you now right now. I can burn. I can burn. Is that the word? Do they say burn nowadays? Do they still say that? What do they say now? Huh? Huh? You say burn. What about the millennials and the younger people? What do y'all say? Oh, y'all say bye, don't you? Okay, yeah. They ain't cooking. They buying. B-U-Y. <laughs> Not a criticism. 
Just an observation. <laughs> Let me hurry up. Sometimes moms forget. Listen now, I'm about to jump in your lap. Sometimes moms forget that you should have more priority than your children. Boy, I didn't get no amens on that one. I slapped everybody. Moms forget that you should have, you should have, you should have more priority than your children. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, Pastor Evan, they need me. And my response would be, exactly. How many have rode on an airplane? Everybody? Anybody? Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things they do before you take off. The stewardess gets up there and she says, hey, thank you so much for flying whatever airline you're flying. Now, this process may not take place on Spirit Airline, but. (laughs) We don't know what you're going to get on Spirit. We don't know if it's liquor spirits, if it's crazy spirits, but you're going to get a spirit on Spirit Airline. I can tell you that right now. So anyway, we're going to edit that part out, all right? But they normally say to you, if for some whatever reason, if the cabin pressure gets off and the oxygen level gets low in the airplane, oxygen mass will fall out of the ceiling. And what we want you to do If you are an adult, I'm going to say mother. If you are a mother, you take that oxygen mask and you put it on yourself. Come on, church. When did you do it? You put it on yourself first and then you help the child that's with you. But that ain't what we do. We sacrifice ourselves to give to our kids. But they didn't bring you here. You brought them here. And if you don't prioritize your spiritual life before them, listen, they will get fumes. You you can't ride on fumes. You better get some gas. Or you're going to be thumbing or calling somebody to come and put some gas in your car. And that's what happens if you don't maintain your spiritual life. I'm talking about first. Before you say hi to Junior and hi to Crystal, It needs, if you have to do it before you go to sleep, make sure that your spiritual life is prioritized. Say amen to that. Here's characteristic number three. We're almost finished. Godly mothers manage their mouths because they understand the power of their words. Ooh, I'm going to say that one again, and I'm going to sit on that one for a while. Godly mothers manage their mouths. Because they understand the power of their words. In uh, the message translation, Proverbs 18.21 says this. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. See, words with life in them can get your kids through college while words with death in them can lead them to prison. 
You keep saying you are not going to amount to nothing. Keep saying it. You're going to be sending them money on their books. Everybody say, my words have power. Your words as a mom is one of the most biggest things that impact your children and others. Proverbs 31, 24 through 26 is talking about the virtuous woman who, by the way, was a mom. And it says here, she makes fine linen and she sells it. She was a businesswoman. She delivers girdles unto the merchants. Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Watch verse 26, which is our focus verse. She opens her mouth. This mother opens her mouth with what? Wisdom. That means it's a possibility to open your mouth with some foolishness. I'm telling you what, you know, social media is, 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 is good, and, and I really use it to try to monitor and make sure I know what's going on. But, man, I tell you what, it, it's a revealer, too. I have not seen so much foolishness in my life. It says she opens her mouth with wisdom. Watch this. And, everybody say and. And her tongue, in her tongue, is the what? Law of kindness. The New Living Translation, I'm going to settle on this because uh, I, I got to make some points here. But I'm going to read this in four different, three different translations. The New Living Translation says, when she speaks... Her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. Woo. She gives instructions with kindness. I don't know if we got that growing up. <laughs> we didn't get that. If you don't go in that room and clean it, I'm going. That's what we got. I don't know how kind that is. But I know how safe it was if I did it. Watch, watch the message translation. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say. And she's always saying it kindly. The NIV translation of uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for, for building others up according to their needs. Watch this, that it may benefit those who listen. It's not just what you say to your children and others that really make a difference. It's how you say it. What, what's your tone like at home, mothers? Look at your look at somebody next to you and say, he coming down your street right now. Oh yeah, I have home. I ain't forgot about you. I haven't forgot about you. I'm coming through the lens right now. I'm coming through that speaker. What is your tone like at home? Do you bring your supervisor voice home? Come on now, you in charge. You in charge at work. You in charge. You in front of everybody. Y'all ever seen the, the, the movie Hustling Flow? Hustling Flow? You know, at the end when he was going to, you know, jail because he had beat up somebody. And so he was trying to get Terrence Howard, which I forget his name, TJ. What was his name? Y'all know, right? But anyway, he was trying to get his record pushed on, on the radio station. 
So the, the girl that was working with him, she's crying like, ah, because he's going to jail. You know, they cuffing him and everything. Ah. And so she was like, what do I do? He was like, you're in charge. Say it. I'm in charge. Say it. I'm in charge. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, don't worry about it. But here's my point. You can't bring your supervisor voice home. It's okay to have a boss mentality so you can conquer the world. But at home, you need to change that attitude to one of a servant. Boy, I'm walking tall today, ain't I? Matthew 23.10 says, the greatest among you must be a servant. Sometimes as a mother, it's hard to be sweet because you've allowed the activities of the world to sour you. Before you walk into your house, you need to have a conversation with yourself in the car. You need to make sure that the law of kindness is going to come out of your mouth. Now, one thing about it, as a dad, I'm a better dad because I'm older. My patience level is way up here, way up there. I mean, way up. Landed the other day, he, he couldn't find his shoes to go to school. You know, normally you'd be frustrated like, where your shoes at? No, 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 not past that. Not Evan, no. I was like, well, let me know when you find them. <laughs> he the one going to be late for school. Why should I care? I'm not going to stress myself because you can't keep up with your shoes. Let me know when you find them. Here's characteristic number four. <laughs> See, that's going to help some of y'all because you end up stressed out on your way to work because you done went out five different times. No, 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 no. Let me help you. Let me help you. The law of kindness. Characteristic number four. A godly mother learns to solve problems through her connections with Jesus. I'm going to say that again. A godly mother learns how to solve problems through her connections with Jesus. In other words, she knows that the best way for something to work is to consult and obey Jesus. Now, we're about to read uh, uh, when Jesus was, in fact, John chapter 2, verse 1. Let's go ahead and read it as we close here. And the third day, everybody say the third day. And on the third day, there was a wedding, a marriage in Cana. And the mother of Jesus, who? Who? Come on, who through the lens? The mother of Jesus was there. I don't know if she was the wedding coordinator. I don't know anything. All they say is that she was at this wedding. And then it says, and both Jesus was called and his disciples. Must have been a big wedding because you know if you invite Jesus, he got 12 people coming with him. <laughs> See, we think all that posse stuff started up here in these days. Oh, no, Jesus had a posse way back then. 12 people. Verse 3. And when they wanted wine, notice it didn't say they needed it. You don't need wine. You said, Pastor, I need it. I, no, you want it. 
If you want it, that's fine. I'm just saying you don't need it. You just want it. This isn't when they wanted wine. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour's not yet come. Verse 5, which I don't know uh, in the black community, I don't know if that statement would have flew, but <laughs> what I have to do with you? <laughs> what? That's what you have to do with me right there. <laughs> Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. We can see that Mary, Jesus' mother, was at this wedding. Jesus and the disciples were at the wedding with the, with, you know, with the mother. And the couple runs out of Remy Martin. <laughs> they run out. <laughs> he said, well, Pastor, I don't drink that. I drink Bacardi rum. Well, it didn't say it was rum. It said it was wine. Listen, Mary decides to involve Jesus with a problem that's not even hers. Why? Because that's what mothers do. They solve problems. That's what mothers do. They solve problems. Well, let's see what happened. Mary was so confident in what Jesus could do that she not only brought him a problem that wasn't his, but she gave instructions to these servants and said to them, whatever he tell you to do, you need to do it. Whatever he tell you to do. Now, you really have to have some serious confidence in somebody to do whatever they tell you to do. You agree with that? You have to have some confidence. And, and see, I think this is a very important characteristic of, uh, of a mother that you choose to have such a close relationship with Jesus that you trust him to do whatever he tells you to do. Amen. Here was my question as I read that. How did Mary, Jesus' mother, know that Jesus was going to be able to do something he had never done before and she had never seen? Because in John chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. This was the beginning of miracles that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. This was the first miracle that Jesus performed. So why would Mary know to bring a problem to Jesus that she had never seen him do a miracle about? Well, I believe she believed the words the angel gave to her before she got pregnant. That angel told her, hey, listen, you're about to give birth to the Son of God. So as a mother, before you tackle a problem, you need to give that problem to Jesus first and then do whatever he tells you to do. Now, I'm going to give a, a small testimony because I'm, I'm finished with number four and all I have is one more. So when you have a close relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he will give you wisdom on what to do about things. And sometimes you might want to deal with something to make it right, but the way you handle it don't make it right. And sometimes we, we, we as a mother, it's, there's a tendency to fix it instead of first praying about it. 
So when we were building this building, uh, I don't know, I, I, I got this from Mother Connor. I'm going to blame her for something today. I blame her for my taste. She's always like nice stuff. She, that's her. Well, that got transferred, like I told you in the first point. Got transferred. So the windows that I picked were the most expensive windows, right? So we were going through a dispute with the bank at the time. We had two loans. The second loan, the money was sitting there, but they wanted me to sign some paperwork that I was not going to sign because I wasn't ready to sign. It didn't seem right. It was some crazy paperwork. So I said, I'm not going to do it. They said, well, we're not going to give you no money. So they wanted us to stop building. I said, well, no, we're not stopping because God didn't tell me. God, you didn't tell me to build this building. God did. So I'm not going to let you stop it. So they was like, okay. So they was just waiting because they knew. Everything we would have to do, we would have to do it cash. So we was writing a lot of checks. I mean, cash, thousands, tens of thousands, twenties of thousands. I mean, and, and how many know if you ain't got nothing coming in, it's, it's going to go down. So we got to the point where we owed the window people $187,000 and we didn't have it. So the, the builder said to me, hey, pastor, uh, the window lady wants you to know that if you don't pay her Friday, which was Thursday, he's talking to me on Thursday, if you don't pay her Friday, she's going to sue you and she's going to put a lien on the church. I'm like, what? I said, see, she'll meet with me. So he set up a meeting. He called her. I met, you know, so I got a meeting with this lady. I don't know what I'm going to tell her. So before I get out of the car, I have a conversation with Jesus. I said, Lord, listen, I don't know what I'm going to tell this lady. He gives me the wisdom. He says, Evan, tell her your pastor's story. I knew what story he was talking about. And see, some of y'all are going, Pastor, I already heard this story. Yeah, that's good. Hear it again. <laughs> Faith comes by hearing. So anyway, he tells me to tell this lady's story, my, uh, my pastor's story, but he said, make it personal. I said, okay. So I go in there, and I knew she was going to hammer me. I had my paperwork ready to show her, you know, this is what's going on right now. She didn't care about all that. She was like, look, we're a small business. Our cash flow is low. You're keeping me be from being able to pay my people. And I, so she, then she just said, what do you want me to do, preacher? So I said, I gave her my pastor's story. So my pastor's story, to back it up. Years ago, when he little bitty church, he was broke. His church was broke. It was it was a bad situation. I mean, the building that they were in was so raggedy you couldn't even fix it up. You had to move. So he, God had told him to go buy a car that week, and he told God told him tell the church. So everybody laughed because they know he broke. They broke. His credit is shot. They ain't got no money. And so 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 he goes out that week to try to find it, and he can't find it. And finally, you know. The Lord tells him what banks to go, bank to go to, and and then he's the bank. The, the bank president walks up when he walks in his bank. He says, "Preacher, what, you, what can I do for you today?" And he was thinking, "Well, how does he know I'm a preacher?" So he says, "I want to buy a car." So he's come on in my office. So he said, "What car you want?" He said, "A Mercedes." He said, "One day you'll get one." I'm talking to somebody right now. I know you want one. One day, one day, one day. Then he said, "What's your second choice?" He says, "A Cadillac." He says, "You'll get a Cadillac, but one day, not right now." I'm talking to somebody. You want a Cadillac? One day, one day, one day. Then he says, what's your third choice? Buick Park Avenue. He says, fine. Listen, he got on his calculator. He said, look, you should be able to buy this. You know, we can give a loan for this much. Go find the car. He didn't check his credit or nothing. He goes to the dealership, sits down with the manager, tells the manager, hey, I want this car, blah, blah, blah. He's like, uh, how much money you got? None. What's your credit like? None. He says, but if you just let me take the car, 
I'll come back next week with your money, with the down payment. He says, we don't do business like that. So then this is what my pastor did that the Lord told me to do. He told his manager, he says, he says, my banker has entrusted me for 36 months to pay back this car. I need you over the weekend to give me some time to bring you your money back. And he stuck his hand out there to shake it. The guy kind of reluctantly shook his hand. And then he says, get this preacher's car ready. And so he got the car ready, took it to church, and they was excited. And, and he ended up with the money and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sitting there. And I said, she said, preacher, what you want to do? I said, thousands of investors have entrusted Word of Truth Family Church to pay back $7.5 million in 25 years. I need you to trust me with your $187,000 in six days. I stuck my hand out there like my pastor did. I was going to leave it out there too. I, if she, she wasn't gonna, I would have done the robot. I would have kept my hand out there. I kept my hand out there. She shook my hand. She says, okay, preacher. I, and so I got up and I said, if I don't have your money in six days, do whatever you got to do to get it. And then I kind of had a George Jefferson walk when I walked out, you know, like. <laughs> then I got in the car. I was like, Lord, what we going to do? What we going to do? What about it? I tell her six days. We ain't got no money. Lord, help me. That was Friday. Saturday, no money. Sunday, no money. Tuesday, uh, uh, Monday, what did I say? Saturday, no money. <laughs> Sunday, no money. Monday, no money. Tuesday, no money. Wednesday rolls around, right? And I'm driving down Collins. I can see the church being built. And I'm thinking, what am I going to tell this contractor? What am I going to tell him? Because I ain't got no money. So while I'm thinking about what I'm going to tell him, I can see the building. While I'm thinking about it, my phone rings. It's an elder from another church, Gateway. It says, hey, we know you're building a building. Pastor Robin knows that. And so we want to send word to Family Church $200,000. They wired it. And the rest is history because you're sitting in it right now. Now, what's my point? Mothers, you need to make sure that your connection with Jesus is what helps you resolve your problems. Say amen to that. Here's the last one. A godly mother, godly mothers have an unwavering faith that things are going to work out. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 through 9, it says, and about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby, and she kept him hidden for three months. Why? Because the, the uh, Pharaoh had said, any boys that are born from the Hebrew women, kill them. So then, verse 3, it says, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of, of uh, papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitched it. 
She put the baby in the basket, laid it among the reeds of the, of the bank of the Nile River, and the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river and uh, to bathe, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket and the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. When the, when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying. She felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Watch verse 7. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked, yes, do that. And the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him. Watch this. And I will pay you for your help. The woman took the baby home and nursed him. Listen, because here's my point. Godly mothers have this unwavering faith that it's going to work out. Because who would have ever thought that Moses' mother would get paid for raising him? And sometimes you may not know how things are going to work out. But I tell you this, if you will stay anchored in your faith in God... He's going to work things together for your good. And the only reason he has to work things together for good because something bad happened. But it is not your position as a mother to try to figure out how this bad situation is going to work out. God didn't ask you to try to figure out how it's going to work out. He just asked you to believe that he can work it out for your good. Wow. So I want to pray for some mothers today. Because there are some of you who are in some predicaments that you need God to work it out. You need him to work it out. I'm what, there are some people watching. There are some mothers watching. And God specifically wanted me to, to end praying a prayer of agreement for him to work some things together for your good. Hallelujah. If you're in the middle of something, I'm talking to you on, online as well. If you're in the middle of something that, as a mother, and you need God to work it out, just right there at your seat, just raise your hand so I can know who I'm praying with. Keep your hand up right there. Just keep it up. Those of you who are watching online, raise your hand right there where you are. Father, in Jesus' name, you see the hands of those who are mothers that are in a predicament, just like Moses' mother. She didn't know what to do. But, Father, you worked it together for her good. And I set myself in agreement with every mother whose hand is raised, whether they're here in this building or right there through the, through the lens. And I agree with them, Father, that the same God that worked things together for Moses' mom is the same God that is yesterday, today, and forever the same. You are still a miracle-working God. You still work things together for good. And, Father, you if God is for us, who can be against us? So I agree now that you're working these scenarios together for good. And Lord, I thank you for downloading wisdom and knowledge that they may need to participate in their miracle. And I thank you in advance that, Father, we'll get, we'll get tons of emails and calls that said you worked it out. And I thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. You can put your hands down. With every head bowed, and every eye closed, the vision here at Word of Truth Family Church is to know Christ.